This episode of Pompey Talk is brought to you in association with Portsmouth.co.uk. If you want to stay in the know about everything that's happening in Portsmouth, from news to culture to food, of course sport and Pompey, take out an online subscription with the Portsmouth News website today at Portsmouth.co.uk forward slash subscriptions. Not only do you get unlimited online access to award-winning reporting, but with fewer ads and free access to our digital edition and mobile app, you get all the Portsmouth you need. Our trial offer starts at just £1 a month for the first three months. Well, it's that time of the week for another Pompey Talk, the podcast. And what a week it's been with ups and downs galore. We discussed that Rossdale stalemate and those three misses by John Marcus. We delve into the push provided by Rasmus Nicolaisen's move to Fratton Park. Then we look at the ramifications of the government's decision to keep football fans away from grounds for possibly another six months. There's a lot to discuss as you'll agree, so let's get started. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Pompey Talk. My name is Mark McMahon and joining me today is Chief Sports Writer Neil Allen and Mr. Will Rooney. Rooney. Really, at one point, I was going to call you there, Well, Sorry about that. That's quite <laughs> all right. I can call it a lot worse. So, uh, that, was, that was insufficient. That was <laughs> um, a busy week. It's only Thursday, but it's been a busy week. Um, but the most exciting news, Neil, is a new signing. Rasmus Nickel Eisen. Nickel Eisen. Nickel Eisen. I don't know why it's so hard to pronounce. <laughs> can I just say, Will looks like he's... Living, down. yeah, yeah. You sat there like that. It, it's, there's nothing around you, isn't it? I know. I've been told I'm sitting in the uh, in the room out in the front, which which is on the uh, on the road. So I've come back into the back here. What too noisy? Yeah, been told off by our uh, Quentin Tarantino for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah so anyway. the new signing. Yes, Rasmus Nikolaisen is pronounced, according to him as well, and then you'd think he would know. Um, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating one, isn't it, really? Um, Pompey don't recruit players from abroad um, um, in this, this current era, and um, suddenly they've got a, a, a Danish youth international left-footed player and uh, who's played for the Danish champions, who are, Mark? Metaland. FC yes. Well, that's yes. Yeah, so, so it's a bit. It represents a bit of a coup, but as ever, let's judge him on the football pitch. Um, I, mean, I, know, I know people are intrigued and excited about it, but we have to look at him on the pitch first. Let's not get carried away and uh, see how he does. And, and no doubt, he, speaking to him, he, he's got frustrated. There's lack of first team opportunities there. He's come here to play football without any doubt. Um, and he won't be happy if he doesn't play football. So, uh, clearly, there's the chance of regular first-team football. And then we got to look at what that means for, for Raggett and Watmore. I was going to say, well, there's been, we've known all summer that they're looking for a left-sided centre-back. Mm. Are you surprised, though, bearing in mind that Raggett has been playing there? I know he's right-footed, but it's his preferred position in the central two. And, fall, and secondary, secondary. Jack Watmore's been playing so well. 
as the right-sided centre-back. There's no guarantees then this guy's going to come in and Rag is going to then be the right-sided centre-back, is there? No, there's none. I mean, we were talking before, weren't we, off there? Um, the Pompey obviously recorded two clean sheets already in the league this season. Um, going forward is where there's the improvements needed at the minute. But I just think for me that the, the, the new lad coming in, Nicolaisen, I think it's maybe distribution and uh, that Pompey are looking for. Raggett's a good defender and he's old school, he's rough and ready and rugged, but he's not the best on the ball, is he really? I mean, the idea in pre-season was to move him to the right, hopefully because he'd be able to open his body up a little bit more and get things going a little bit quicker. But the form of Jack Watmore, the way he's come back after his, his knee injury, looks he looks even even better than he did a couple of years ago when he was playing next to Matt Clark for me. Um, so I think that I, I think it'd be tough to, to drop Jack now. So for me, I can't potentially can't see him playing on on Saturday. But going forwards, I just think that there's times where Raggett on the ball, he's just he just takes that half a second. I've said it before too long because it's not his natural side. And I know he's played on the left for, for most of his career, but just playing passes on the left, he just takes that split second longer and it does slow Pompey down a little bit. Now you've got a, a left footed and we've seen the highlight reel that Pompey put up yesterday. I mean, them highlight reels can make anyone look like a like a world piece of candy where you get the right cliff. But he looks comfortable on the ball. He looks good. He looks like he's got a bit of everything about him. He looks like he can... He can start quick forward forwards, which Pompey, Pompey have missed a little bit. So, yeah, hopefully he, he can do that because if, if Pompey are able to do that and it means attacks can start quicker, people like Curtis Harness are a bit more dangerous because they're able to, to hit teams on the break quicker. So, hopefully that's an attribute that he can bring. Neil, is it a simple matter of this guy starts and it's either Jack Watmore or Raggett vying for that other position? Or could Kenny Jagger even spring a surprise? And you know what? Oh, my goodness. Could he even play three at the back? Well, I mean, first of all, it's important to remember that the Raggett is a natural right footer. However, he's played as a left-sided centre-half practically his whole career. So he's very comfortable playing there. He prefers playing there because he's used to it. Uh, he's obviously adapted using his left foot. And um, um, so that's his preference. So he's not... He's not been put on the on the wrong side of the defence by Kenny Jacket. He he has played there major vast majority of his career, so he can play on the right, of course. So he's got that versatility. Um, now, the point you mentioned about what what happens next. Probably we've had two clean sheets in two games. I mean, obviously, no doubt we'll talk about the the issues up front later on. But um, does he want to change at the moment? I can't see him changing it on Saturday. Bearing in mind they have got two league clean sheets in a row. So, so he might have to... Nicholas might have to bide his time for a little while. Um, but moving forward, uh, he's going to be regular. Surely he's going to be regular. That's why he's here. Um, he's got an impressive pedigree as well. And he's left-footed. So there's no way he's going to be left out of the team. But for the time being, Jacket can't quite, quite put him in, can he? Because how do you two, two centre-halves right? You've got two clean sheets. I want to drop one of you. You know that's it. That's the issue. And again, as Will mentioned, you can't drop Jack. Surely, no. He's got the news man of the match in his last three appearances. Um, you can't drop him. He's been outstanding since he came back. Uh, probably the only highlight we've seen this season of Pompey so far. To be brutal. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's got to play. And he is Pompey's best defender. Mm -hmm. He's got to play, as we've yeah. said before. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Well. Do you think there's there has been so much made about the formations, etc. And Jacket has always said this is his, his favourite formation, 4-2-3-1. Mm. 
does it get to the point where he knows it's not getting the results that Pompey's desire and does it? I know, I know he played two up front in the second half against Rossdale or part of the second half. Is there any part that you think that, you know what, he might be a surprise one day and, and all of a sudden he's got three decent centre-halves and play 3-4-3 three, three or 3-5-2 three, or whatever they got there? I mean, it's definitely something to think about. One criticism of his jacket, of jacket sorry, is that his substitutes a lot of the time, like for like, aren't they? And mm. maybe he doesn't change formations enough or even maybe the players that he plays, he doesn't have the flexibility to change formations even in games that, that some managers do. Sort of maybe look at Peter of Fleetwood are examples of recent years we've been able to do that in League One. Um, if you went free at the back, I mean, for me, what would you play? Raggett, what more? And um, Nicolai, and then who would you have your full-backs bring and, bring and Johnson then? So yeah, where do you very attack-minded fullbacks? You have, yeah, but then you're looking at who you're playing in the middle, and then who you're looking playing next to Marcus or or Harrison, and who you're playing in wide. And then let's not forget that in Kenny Jacket's system, which we've said a couple of times now, his wingers score a lot of the goals. So why would he change that? We know he knows that the the argument score goals, and we know we'll go on to the the attack and um, the attack and problems. But against against Rochdale, the the, it, the first half was poor. Um, the second half. He has two, three good chances. If he's put them away, then would you be saying that the the jacket's got it right in the second half? That he brought Johnson into attack, puts across him for Marquez, and Marquez's header gets pushed over the bar by the keeper. Probably should have scored. So if he gets that right, then probably look at it and thinking that's what I want in the summer. That's what I'm aiming for. Crosses into the box, which he goes on all the time about Johnson. Put Johnson's coming because he's. One of the most prolific crosses in the, in the division in the past couple of mm-hmm. years. He does that. He puts it on the plate, and his goal is his goal scorer coming for a million pounds doesn't put it away. So, I think for now you'll keep pursuing. If it doesn't if it doesn't work, then perhaps he doesn't need to have a change of, of, of systems. But for now, I think because Jackets all of his, his success as a manager has come that way, I can't see him changing things just yet. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Will's right because Jacket. Favors the the four two three one. He he calls it point up, point down, or whatever. But it is effectively four two three one. That's his system. Mm-hmm. That's what he believes in. Just as Paul Cook always believed in four two three one as well. Um, that's what they subscribe to. Um, and and Jackets had winning runs with it. Let's not forget he's he's won fifty two percent of his games as Pommy manager with that system. He believes it. He favors it. He he should recruit players to fit into that system. So I can't see him suddenly changing it. Occasions he's changed it with Pompey. Mm. Um, three or four times, perhaps, he's gone three at the back. And they've normally ended up losing as well. So I cannot see him changing the system whatsoever uh, because he's drilled into the players what he wants them to do, their roles. It's quite regimented, isn't it, as well? Um, he's, he's trying to keep the same players in, in there as well all, all season, Marcus up front and, and, and Morris in midfield. So he, he wants that familiarity. And I just cannot see him suddenly, after the arrival of a new defender, ripping it all up um, and reintroducing a new way of playing. It, it, it's not Kenny Jacket. And it's, in fairness, it's not what managers do. Yeah. They believe yeah. in their system. They trust their system. Paul Cook had it where fans were chanting 4-4-2. Uh, but Cook stuck by his principles. He stuck by how he wanted his team to play, and it worked at Pompey, and it worked at Wigan. And I say, and I can't see Jacket changing it. Yeah, fair enough. Um, we'll talk about the Rotsdale result, but just before we turn to that, there, Neil, obviously, 
you wrote a story today that um, I got a little Ison's. <laughs> got a Nicol- it's, it's really easy. Nikhil Ison. I know. This is me. That's it. Sure, half the time, nobody can hear me anyway, so I understand me anyway, so hopefully it'll pass. <laughs> um, but, um, it's like, it's like called Andy, Cannon, sure, Andy Cannons. Andy Cannons, yes. Jacket always calls them Andy Cannons. <laughs> um, one thing is for sure, though, it looks as if um, this is, well, it's pushed Paul Downing further down the packing order and probably closer to a Fratton Park exit. Is that fair enough? Yeah, he's he's never been part of it really after the initial flurry of appearances, um, and he's not been part of it in recent weeks. He only got on bench the other day because um, uh, Bolton, like he had an injury and was was travelling at Rochdale and working on his own before the game, um, and he was on the bench the previous game at Brighton because Bolton was starting. So basically, you've got three centre halves ahead of Downing, plus Bolton, who's going to be versatile. So. He's well down the pecking order, clearly. Uh, he's on a decent wage as well. And he hasn't played league football for Pompey in, in more than a year. It, it's obvious what, what his future is, where it lies. Um, yeah. Jacket's tried him again to start the season. He's dropped him since um, Stevenage. Jack Watmore's come in, doing incredibly well. Um, Pompey don't need all, that, all, that, all those centre-halves, especially in a restricted 22-man squad. Yeah. So, it's a case of finding a taker for him. Um, well, that's the thing, Nick. Tell me, he's going to take a punt on him because it is going to be a punt at the end of the day now, isn't it? But he's, he's 28. He's got promoted with Blackburn from this division. Um, very highly regarded. He's not suddenly become a poor player. Um, for whatever reason, it's not worked out for Pompey. He's just hoping clubs out there will be willing to take him on and his wage because when he came at Pompey, let's not forget Pompey um, effectively outbid Doncaster Rovers in terms of wages to have him on a free transfer. Doncaster came out and said that. Yeah. So he's on a good whack at Pompey, um, which players who are free transfers who are pursued by a number of clubs uh, normally get. They, they can request that, can't they? So he's on good pay. And um, hopefully somebody can afford him out there. But it's a difficult climate at the moment, isn't it, with, with the salary cap? Yeah, definitely. Okay, um, well, let's start. Let's start. By going, or let's go back to that Rochdale game. Not too many of us actually will remember it, but at the same time, too, we need to address the issues there. Um, disappointing result. In your opinion, though, what was the problem at Rochdale? Um, well, I follow problems, um, hampers <laughs> me a little bit, so I didn't get to see it as much as uh, as Neil was have up at Scotland. But I mean, just just looking at the bare the bare face of the results. I mean, you, a goalless draw against the relegation favourite. It's not a good result, is it? And then, and then against the backdrop of a goalless draw against Shrewsbury, finished what 15th, 16th last season. It looked like a favourable start to the season for Pompey, but they've yet to score. They've yet to concede, which is a positive, but they've yet to, to score yet. Um, for me, for what, for, for what I can understand in the first half, and see too much of it. They just just disjointed attacking wise. Didn't have enough. It wasn't. It wasn't. They weren't. When it when it Rochdale's quick, they should have really. It was all a little bit laboured. Second half, it they, they picked up and they got some good balls into the box and had some decent chances. Obviously, Mark was having a couple, but yeah, it just it just looks like the frustrating thing is Jack that was obviously needs needed to hit the ground running this season. Let's not forget if they, if they beat Wigan on Saturday, then they're a point better off than they were this after three games last season. So it's not all panic just yet, but Jack, it really... Yeah, but they were, they were dreadful this time last year. Yeah, they're not I know. Start. 
and that start really cost Pompey promotion, isn't it? Exactly. So. That's that's the thing that you're worrying about, isn't it? Like Jack needs the fast start, and it just hasn't happened. And Jack's gone on about in the summer about having the players to to hit the ground running, them knowing the club. A lot of them are in the second years, etc. And it just hasn't quite clicked attack and wise, has it? It's just. Yeah, I don't know, Neil. You'll be able to discuss a little bit further because you were up, up there at Scotland. What did you did you make of it all? Yeah, if you look at the the chances you mentioned, like Marquis had a few chances, um, and we're aware that Marquis came out and apologised and acknowledged that. Uh, I mean, for me, Pompey need more from Marquis. I've been disappointed. I know he he was top scorer last year with fourteen goals, but he's nowhere near matched what he showed at Doncaster. Uh, not purely goals I'm talking about. I'm talking about his all-round game. And for whatever reason, you can blame the manager of the system or, or, or whatever, he's not come off yet, Marquis. Um, uh, he works incredibly hard and shows an excellent attitude. But I've been disappointed with his performances uh, as a striker. And um, for me, he need, there needs to be an improvement. Well, he came out and, and shouldered the blame and fair play to him for doing it because he did miss some clear-cut chances. But when you pay that amount of money, a lot of fans came out and supported him, said, listen, John, it's not your fault for mm. whatever their agenda is and coming out and saying what they did. But there's no denying, if you pay two million plus for a striker... Well, it was, it was about it was about a million, I think. About there's a lot. Oh, was it a million? Okay, a million. It's about a million, I think. Yeah. Right. That's all. Just a million. <laughs> Just a million. Yeah. <laughs> but you'd still expect a striker of his capabilities to at least put two out of those three away, wouldn't you? Yeah, of course you would. I mean, obviously, Mark was. He doesn't mean no one miss, means to miss a chance to no. at the end of the day. Like, but he's come out and perhaps he's he's written that because he knows that. He should be putting away because of the price tag he's coming for, and he's coming to do exactly that. He's coming to be the main man and be a, be a talisman and effect to, to fire Pompey's promotion. Just having a look now, fourteen goals last season, only eight in the league. Pompey going to need need a lot more than that from him this season in the league if to improve on last season because eight goals in the league to me is it's, it's just not enough. Like it's it's really not enough for a striker of his quality. He's someone who. When he arrived, he everyone was hailing it as a as a great sign, and then he was he's forced a reputation as one of the the best goal scorers in League One. But he's never looked at Neil's right. He's never looked like the same player. And it's funny to me when he was on the the Radio Solon Fans Forum, he was saying that Pompey don't play a lot different to Doncaster. I think perhaps Don, that Doncaster team in 2018-19 when they got beat in the playoffs, maybe they had a a couple more players who play through the fair to like to. Ben Whiteman, Herbie Kane, and you've obviously got Coppinger there, who's a mercurial talent. But yeah, Pompey, I don't know why it just it just hasn't clicked for him. Does it not where not having a proper number ten in behind and having someone who's more of a midfielder and someone who's going to be supplying him with the with the chances, or has he lost a bit of confidence? I, I don't know. Once because all the goals he scored, but you know the the one at um, Steve was just a superb finish, wasn't it? But yeah, it was. A lot of his finishes. They haven't been goals that you can really remember either. And maybe that's a sign of a good goal scorer. How many goals of Michael Owens you really remember? Probably a lot of them are poachers goals. But I don't know. He's just not he, he hasn't looked clinical in front of goal either, Marquez, has he at times? He's has a look he's had a good few chances in games and he just when he's been put through on goal, he's just never quite convinced. So maybe he just needs to 
to find the back of the net and go on a little bit of run. But for me, I agree with Neil. I just think Hallison gives the team a little bit more balance and just brings players in, into things a little bit more, which obviously Jack at once when for, to get his wingers into the game and get them scoring goals as well. But for, uh, it, yeah, for me, he just needs to be starting doing that a little bit more, not just goal scoring wise, but perhaps his holds of play as well. And he comes out looking for the ball and he's, he's getting frustrated, especially in that first half. And you can see he's getting frustrated but because he's not getting the service. But for me, yeah, he got service in the second half and you've got to put those chances away and make no bones about it. If he gets a couple of Wigan and, and he's got to start firing otherwise, then you've surely got to start thinking about bringing Harrison back into the side. You mentioned about service. Um, he didn't get much service against Shrewsbury, in fairness. Mm. Didn't get that much service against Brighton, which is obviously mm. a difficult game. So he's not had a lot of service this season. What a wonderful goal that Stephen is, let's not forget as well. Um, but he, he did have opportunities on, on Sunday, didn't he? Great opportunity to score, and he spurned them. And it's interesting because I've read that you know perhaps he's lost confidence, but he's a confident character. So that's an interesting one because uh, perhaps it's show I don't know, but he is a, a confident character with a lot of belief in his ability. Uh, and you look at his goal record at Doncaster; it's outstanding without any question. Yeah. Um, perhaps he got more service there, you know. But but he got service Sunday and he didn't finish. And um, it is I mean, it's a very good point. Well, about. Eight goal, eight league goals last year. He actually played more league game, more games than any probably player last year as well. Yeah, so we yeah. have seen a lot of him. You know, Jackie has used him a lot, whether it be on the bench uh, or starting games. So we've seen a lot of him to to judge uh, how he's doing at pumping his performances. And there's there's still more to come. There's got to be still more to come because he's not hit level. With Doncaster, but it needs to be because. He's, he's not there yet, is he? And uh, surely everyone can agree on that. Yeah. Well, what do you think Jacket does against Wigan? Does he give him another chance to, to bury those bad thoughts of Rod Steele? Or does he turn around to Harrison and go, right, OK, I need, to, I need to show a bit of faith in you as well here. I'm going to throw you on and see what you can do. You never know, Kenny Jacket, you never know what, uh, what selection he's going to come up with. But, I mean, if he dropped him now, could Marcus understand it? Probably, but... If he is low in confidence, how much was it? Was it Jettison favour? Um, were you playing a Wigan size? I'm sure. Come on, see, we were cobbled together really a little bit like Bolton last season. Let's be honest. Um, struggling for numbers. You think that he's going to get a couple of chances in this game, and you'd like to hope that he's going to put one away. If he puts one away, might get another. Gets bags himself a double. His confidence is, is sky high again going to Burton the, the week after. So, and another factor is Harrison, how fit is he? You know, the Jackets admitted that he's been playing catch up. Is he quite there yet? I don't know. I think that, that that's one of the selections, the uh, headaches that Jackets got, of one being maybe in central midfield and then obviously the centre back conundrum now as well. But I think he might give him one more chance, to be honest with you, at Wigan to, to prove himself against the side that. Pompey should be scoring against, let, let's be honest, they've conceded against Gillingham three times and, and Ipswich twice. You know, they should be scoring, no no question on Saturday. And, and you'd be thinking that Marcus is going to get at least at least one chance, should be getting a couple more. And if he gets a couple of goals, gets one goal, gets a couple, then hopefully it, um, it sets him off then. And we see the, the Marcus, that the Neil's right about, that we haven't seen the best of him, and hopefully it sets him on that, that path. 
I, I would actually keep Marquis against Wigan because um, let's let's say let's see how him and Jacobs do together. Mm. You know, it, it might be the, the the partnership. And Jackie talked about partnerships that he needs to bring out the best of, of Marquis. So I would keep him in the side. Um, let's see what happens with them. Well, he just well pointed out another area that's well for me. It's a slight concern is the midfield area. Um, are probably getting enough out of Tom Naylor and Bryn Morris as a partnership? Is that is that the midfield that's going to grab a game by the scruff of the neck at like at Rochdale and pull a side through? Or, or maybe this is a loaded question, like, but is Bryn Morris the answer? Is he the is he the ideal partner for Tom Naylor in the centre midfield? Well, the, the problem jacket, it's not really a problem, but I like Ben Close in there because Ben Close has got goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, if we're talking about goal scoring, uh, Morris in his games this season uh, and the playoffs, uh, his shooting's been very poor, especially Stephen. His, his shooting's not been good at all. I think he had one on target, didn't he? Um, in what was that? Shrewsbury was it at home? Um, but but close gives you goals. He gives you goals from outside the box. He gives you goals inside the box. He won a penalty against Wigan last time the teams met at mm-hmm. Fratton Park. Um, and that's what he brings to his game. In fact, Close was blossoming uh, as, as a goal-scoring option in midfield after scoring one in his first 90 games or whatever. So he was developing his goal-scoring in that respect. And Morris doesn't appear to have that at the moment. Naylor doesn't get many goals, but then that's a different sort of player. So for me, by putting Morris in there, you're taking away that, that goal-scoring opportunity from midfield. So that's a choice Jackett's made. But um, uh, I say Pompey do need more from Morris. He keeps the ball well. But uh, there needs to be goals in there because at the moment, no doubt we'll, get, we'll talk about this a bit more, but there's not goals in Pompey at the moment. They've struggled to score. But you've taken out your most prolific goal-scoring midfielder at the moment as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I do think that there's a lot of there's still a lot of questions to be asked and, and for Jagat to, to turn around here. Um, I'm conscious of the time, so another pertinent point from this week, obviously, is the government's decision to um, renege on their plans to reintroduce fans um, to grounds. Um, the Wigan game was obviously something Pompey were looking to as a test event with um, a thousand fans. That is now not going to take place. Um, Long-term ways, at this moment in time, there's suggestions that there may even be football fans in Fratton Park for up to six months, which takes us, obviously, into March. Um, well, how concerning is this development in your eyes? You'd be more concerned if Pompey didn't have a, an owner, Michael Asner, who's quite happy to, to foot the bill and keep Pompey afloat, really, wouldn't you? If- if Pompey didn't have an owner like that, then you would really be worried. Luckily enough, that I know Michael Arsenal gets a, he does get a little bit of criticism because people say, Oh, he's not playing, putting enough to play in budgets, etc. But when you're hemorrhaging what 700 grand a month, and, and Michael Arsenal's from, from what we understand quite happy to, to foot the bill at the minute. I mean, you'd be a lot more concerned if, it, if he weren't like that for me. It's just madness why, why you can't get football fans into the stadium at the minute. I mean. People are going to step free in on league games and stands and round each other and being, you know, people who 
and I hate this term bubble, etc. I can't stand all this that's going on, but people are mixing with all sorts of people outside of their bubbles, etc. So you can go to a, a non-league game, but you can't go to a you can't go to a game of Fratton Park where Pompey clearly were looking into the flexi season ticket and you, you could sit around. So it would have been a, a well-oiled machine. You'd think they'd have done the due diligence and they've had a good system in place where people can keep the social distancing and you, you can't have that. It just that doesn't make sense to me whatsoever. Why? But why it's the problem. You can make a you can make a stadium COVID secure as best you can, and I have no doubt in my mind. And Neil, you have testified that because you've been at Fun Park and well too, obviously during game times behind closed doors. There's no There's no doubt in my mind that that their stadium is as safe and secure a location mm. as you can be. It's what can you control outside grounds? What can you control um, between Frampton Station? and the food outlets, and the McDonald's, and the KFCs, and walking in to that their ground. You cannot control that there as much as you want. So surely, I'm, I'm not justifying the decision, like, but obviously that there is a major factor in the government's decision. It is, yeah, but all but... places should be keeping it as well, though, shouldn't they? So, like, in the pubs, etc., they should be adhering to it all. So if it, why, why are the pubs open if they're that scared? Why are McDonald's open? If, People can still go to the pub on a Saturday afternoon, can't they? So why can't you go to the football? Sorry, Neil, cut in there. I'll say uh, clubs that have handled it extremely well, um, as we've seen from Pompey, especially. <clears throat> you know, to my knowledge, no one's become affected in that, infected in that environment on match days. Um, uh, everything's policed very well. And it was interesting going to Rochdale the other day. Um, uh, the, the press were putting actually in executive boxes at, at Rochdale because the press box is so small and they're trying to position people so uh, clubs are finding a way how to accommodate us uh, for these matches and again very well done very well handled from Rochdale uh, Brighton was incredibly uh, um, thorough and efficient uh, we had to we were checked at one place drove to another point and go somewhere else and it um, but then they've hosted plenty of Premier League games so football clubs uh, in the Football League and Premier League have proved they can host these games in a safe environment. It's, it's been proven. No journalist has picked up coronavirus from going to these games. Um, and again, it doesn't appear to have affected players as well. So that's been shown to be in place and safe. Um, so it's, it's, it's obviously massively disappointing now that uh, the fans can't come back in, in small numbers. Pompey are on about opening four stands to accommodate 1,000 fans yeah. against Wigan. Now, logic would suggest that those fans can be kept well away from each other if they're occupying four different stands. So, yeah. it, it is, it's a massive blow financially. But I could also see the government's point of view at the moment where they want to restrict uh, the, the, the flow of coronavirus and uh, they don't feel it's appropriate. However, it's continued to kill football, isn't it, and finances. Yeah. Well, like, I know I mentioned there that they need to take into consideration what happens outside the grounds, but at the same time too, you get the impression from the government that it's a one-size-fits-all one approach. You can, if you're looking at that sort of approach at, say, Arsenal, where you need to get the tube from central London or wherever you come from down to Islington or, or Arsenal Stadium, mm. um, there's going to be massive amounts of crowds going there. You can understand that rep being replicated at Manchester United, Liverpool, Newcastle, though, Chelsea, those sorts of environments. But at, surely at non-league level, and obviously Pompey's maybe a wee bit more of an exception with crowds of 17, 18,000 averaging. 
But at this level, when you've got clubs like Fleetwood and Arlington and etc., where the majority of their fans are going to come from the local area, surely is there not? Surely the government needs to look at that and go, you know what, at this level, at League One, League Two level, there is a means of getting fans in and not having the crowds that you would expect to see at a Premier League game where they're all getting on the same buses, the same shoots and all that. Like, yeah, you would, but what, what, and then a, a Premier League club's still going to cry that that's unfair and that they're being, that they're... Well, they're not the ones, they're not the ones who in six weeks' time could be... No, no, I agree, I agree, I agree. They've got a lot of money, though. That's the, the counter arguments, isn't it? You say, well, you're getting X amounts of millions off the Premier League and these clubs are going to fall. Does a, does a deal need to be struck now with the Premier League to, to keep clubs afloat? Possibly. Possibly it does, yeah. I mean, I know Frank Lampard's come out and says, and he said even when he was managing the Championship, he knows how, how difficult it can be. Obviously, a derby, you were a big club, let's face it, in, in the Championship. So, you're right, the Accringtons and the the Fleetwoods, etc., they're going to they're gonna be, um, gonna be hit really hard, aren't they? It's just... For me, I'll come back to it again. You're just going to have more fans going to non-league games now, I think. You're just going to have more fans going to your Gosports and your Porchesters. And I know there's a limit on how many fans that can go. I know there are. But for me, they're going to be full to capacity. And technically, they're not going to be safe. So if you get fans in Fratton Park, where you're going to be creating safe zones and green zones or whatever, all these zones that they create, why... Why can't you do that? Everywhere's going to be wiped down. Everywhere's going to be secure. You're going to have stewards, etc. Because Pompey's still got to staff this properly, haven't they? They're going to do it. So why can't you do it that way? Neil, you've obviously spoke to Mark Catlin since this news broke. Um, and obviously he has come out and says, thankfully, we do have the Eisners that can keep us afloat. Like, But do you get the sense that there is a wee bit of panic behind the scenes or anything to get there? Yeah, obviously, because Pompey have come up with a plan to trial a thousand fans against Wigan with with a view to having you know five six thousand uh, sometime in, in October perhaps towards the end with more fans coming in and now that's been wiped out isn't it and then you, you're looking at what other income streams they've got they've got iFollow which is what five figures uh, they've had the flexi scene ticket sales um, they've had a couple of new sponsors haven't they with the sponsors on the back of their shirts now mm-hmm. that's it though that's all they've got coming in. And a club like Pompey, Fratton Park, they've got big overheads as well. And they're being starved of income. It really is. It's interesting, though, because obviously the, the clubs at League One, League Two level, especially, need a bailout from the, football league, from the Premier League without any question. But at least they can go to the Premier League and say, look, we've got these salary caps in to make sure we're not overspending and perhaps use that as a way, a leverage to say we've got our house in order. We're not going willy-nilly splashing out cash and then begging with you guys. So that might work in their favour. But yeah. clubs need help because they're going to go under if the Premier League do not help fund them. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what developments um, happen over the next couple of weeks and months. Um, thank you again for your time, lads. Much appreciated. We'll wrap it up now. Um, and thank you all for listening. We hope to see you all again next week as well. Thank you and goodbye.
Thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe to the Portsmouth News website for just £1 a month for the first three months for everything you need to know about Portsmouth and more.